2, St. Louis City Press and International Friendly. Joining me to talk about City's 2-1 loss to the Portland Timbers is Nathan Halley. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Patrick Stark. I don't even know why I'm here. I'm furious. I'm furious as well. I, I'm i not sure I want to watch soccer anymore, frankly. Our man from Hanoi, Chris Hoff. Yeah, pretty grim stuff, boys. You know that we have, like, season tickets, right, for this year and, and next year? I assume I'll get over this, but but not now. Night of, still raw. Thank you, Phil, for stating that. This is, again, immediately following the game, which is why we are still so furious. My heart is still racing from yelling a lot and just being very upset. Let's get into it. I'm upset with the refereeing. Before we get into it, this is very important. I I get that you're upset. I, too, am upset. This is only the second most upsetting soccer-related thing that happened to me today. So imagine how I am feeling. I thought the Owls won 3-0. They did, but the two teams ahead of them also won, which, which means they can't make it into the automatic promotion. So they're going to have to go through the playoffs if they hope to get promoted, which is a crapshoot. So today was a horrible day for me. Well, go Sheffield Wednesday. Where do we want to start? Um, let's start with the starting formation, I suppose. That was an experiment. Yeah, I think we got it right. Yeah, we nailed it. Yeah, pretty sure it was said at least once in our barrage of different possible lineups. I think we nailed that. I'm not even sure what the starting lineup was, to be honest. I mean, I know who the players were, but I don't know what the formation was. I think it was a 2-8. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> on the, on the Apple podcast, right. they called it a 4-2-3-1. It was not that. I think it was that. They had Leuven in the three. In the-, in the stadium, they announced two forwards, <laughs> uh, Joachini and Perez. <laughs> that was incorrect. I think the context of that was announcing Joachini as a forward, and then, oh yeah, we almost forgot about Perez. I think that's correct. It felt, again, like they were playing that four false nine thing. It was like a four six, really, is what it was. All right, we we experimented with Leuven moving forward, and hopefully we can all acknowledge that did not work for us. Chris liked it. It seemed like it, but it also seemed like most of the game he was not actually forward. In the first half, I thought there were times where he was. He was the one chasing, you know, he was the one chasing down the goalie when the goalie had the ball and things like that, which is not something you would usually see him doing. So part of the problem was he was really one of the only players on our team that was playing well. So when he was forward, yes, he was doing well up there, but then there was no one kind of commanding the midfield. I don't think Leuven did poorly. I think we miss him in the midfield not being there. I think he was playing as a midfielder in this game. I think he was a number 10. He was playing more traditionally as a number 10 and doing more number 10 things as opposed to the sort of number eight things that we've seen him do in the past. So definitely a midfielder in this game. Does that make sense to you, Phil? Yeah, numbers. This leads me to the point I've been meaning to make. Chris, next episode, we're going to break down the numbers. Great idea. For our friends, the three listeners, who may not be familiar with the numbers. Perhaps also for our our host on this podcast, so he has a clear idea. I was throwing him a bone. Is a 10 an attacking midfielder? Yes. Okay. And a 9 is a striker. Nine is a striker. Is a six a defensive midfielder? That's right. 
maybe we can skip that episode. Done. Moving on. And and a one a one is a goalie. Ooh. What number do we call an Indiana Vasilev? He was playing six ish today. He, I mean, I would say that he and Perez were somewhere between six and eight. Two number eights. I would agree that Vasilev was playing at about a six level. I want to be a little bit positive here. Miguel Perez had a hell of a game. I agree. He was so good and not doing the things that we've talked about in this pod before, like getting muscled off the ball and stuff. He was like really legit impressive. I was really sad when they pulled him off. He was like all over the place. He was fast. He was he's feisty. He's feisty. We'll give him that. Top marks to Miguel Perez. Agreed. Back to the starting lineup. So our our number nine Ooh. was uh, Nico Giochini, who had a horrible game. I read a stat that he was the 24th best player to hit the pitch tonight. <laughs> uh, he he misses Klaus. Maybe we miss Klaus. I think maybe he's not that good. He Ooh. is that good. Tonight was a weird night. We had a hard time getting the ball forward for most of the first half. But like compare and contrast when Celio came on, like Celio looked pretty good. So you're right. Patrick, we did have a hard time moving the ball forward. I think that's somewhat because we were doing this weird thing with our up front where it was unclear who the targets were. Was it sometimes it was like Stroud and Leuven? Sometimes it was Nico. It was it was weird. It felt very unsettled. I think like I think it was poor game planning from from Carnell. Now, maybe he didn't have a lot of choices, so that's Luce's fault. <laughs> I was surprised to see us come out out in the second half uh, without making changes. It felt like we were performing badly enough in the first half to warrant a change. I just got to let you guys know that in my head, every time you say like, so you said we're going to say Nelson later. I've got like there was an 80s rock band Nelson. And now you've said warrant. There's an 80s rock band warrant. Can we keep doing this? That ref out there might as well have been a deaf leopard, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> um, what were we saying? <laughs> the sort of lack of air supply, I think, uh, that Nico was experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't have a great night. I was talking to my friend Justin. Shout out, friend of the pod, came to the game tonight. I think one problem, so I don't want to get too hung up on the fact that we're missing Klaus, but it is big to be missing one of your DPs. He hasn't scored in a while, but, you know, we've talked about one of the reasons he hasn't scored in a while is because he's always got two or three guys marking him because he's so dangerous. Well, if he's not out there, those two or three guys are going to be somewhere else, like shutting down Joachini or planted in the middle of the box, cutting off any crosses that we have. In the last pod, Chris talked about how Portland is vulnerable from crosses from the corner of the box in. And we had a few of those and they did a really good job of intercepting them and keeping us from having our danger men drive anything home. Was the goal scored exactly what Chris described? Yes. It was. Chris is brilliant. <laughs> no doubt. Again, that's a very, very common situation in soccer games. Yes. And really nice to see Celio get a goal. His open, his open cup goal got pulled back and called an own goal. Not The pod doesn't recognize that. I actually think that was a fair call. It should have been an own goal. Nah, I don't agree. Uh, it was good to see him get a legit goal. It was it was a good goal. I For the five minutes or whatever it was after that goal, I felt like we could win. Yeah. 
the energy in the stadium was there, which it had not been. It was the quietest I ever heard the stadium tonight. I think the biggest failing tonight was the crowd. No, it was Bradley Carnell. Bold words from both of you. There's two hot takes. I think I agree with both. I think we weren't there. No, I was definitely there. I saw you. I didn't hear you. I can tell you that much. Ooh. I'm not really a chanter. Well, you should have been. I ended up yelling a lot. Phil was there. Now that you mention it, though, it does seem like it was a little, the energy was a little low. Maybe it was the the 20 degree drop in temperature threw us off. No, that actually helped pick us up, strangely enough. It could have been that the team in the first half was also kind of not really there. I started to watch the replay, and I'll tell you, the team was more there than it felt in the moment. It felt flat. I felt the team felt flat. I felt we felt flat. Do you think then maybe on the replay, the energy will be stronger? It is. And do you know why? Apple TV, I'm convinced, mics the supporters section. This is my conspiracy moment for this episode. I've actually felt this for a while, but today I'm bringing it up. As we are discussing, this was the quietest crowd by a significant margin. But you can clearly hear the chanting and drums of the supporters section. And by clearly, I mean understand what they're saying. (laughs) Whereas if you watch any other MLS game, you cannot understand the chanting of the supporters section. I think the Apple TV sound mixing is done by someone a little less experienced than we are with the editing of this pod. That may be true, but the supporters section, they get overbalanced. You have a hard time hearing the announcers of the supporters section. I don't know. To be honest, a lot of times I watch the games on mute. All right. The energy was low. The energy was very high after our goal and then disappeared when they got their second goal. I hadn't really noticed it, but why do we think the energy was so low? Do you think it was because everyone was nervous? We were talking about this pre-pod. I realized also on the last pod, I referred to something that I thought was earlier in the pod, but was pre-pod. So I need to work on that. But yeah, the energy was kind of low. That's bumming me out. Do you think it's because the Battle Hawks were eliminated? That's probably part of it. No, it was because the it's because the team I don't know. The team wasn't doing great. We weren't creating chances. Do we think it's because before the game the little kid said Parker was his favorite player because he scores a lot of goals? I stand by that kid. Parker has had, I believe, two goals. Uh, I think it's just one. Uh, I think one. it's just one. Oh come on. Still. In the stadium was not full at kickoff. Yes, that is also true. Now, back to actual soccer. Thought the team played better in the second half. Was there anything to say about their second goal? Yeah, our defense sucked. Yeah. It was a weak goal. It's a tricky one. Yeah, I think Berkey was screened. It's hard for him to... It went through the legs of Nelson, I believe the commentators on the Apple feed said. So that's just tricky. If you don't see it coming, you can't react to it. So That did kind of take the, the wind out of our sails. All right, we've done a... I think a commendable job avoiding it. So the next at least 10 minutes are going to be just ripping into the refs. Where do we start? Just keep in mind, we've previously said we don't want to be the people who blame the refs. Yes. And I'm going to continue that and say they didn't have a great game, but that's not why we lost. Right. We had two shots the whole game. We had two shots. Yes. We did not deserve to win that game based on our play. Set that aside. I don't think it matters. Let's let's rip into oh, sorry, these drafts. Let me let me review that. It's not entirely true. We had 
two shots on target. Does that count Berkey's? It doesn't. I was sort of frustrated by that. Pod stats, we've got one more. No, we had one shot on target, four off target. There we go. That You can't win a game like that. So before we get to the refs, I, I want to talk about the pod's possibly favorite player, Rasmus Alm. Didn't have a great night tonight. No, I would agree with that. I didn't think his performance was as noteworthily bad as some others. No, but he kind of was not really present a lot of the times. He And he made some bad passes, some misses. I mean, it was, it was bad. Like Parker gave up. They didn't end up scoring on it, but like Parker just gave up the ball in, in front of our goal. They were doing this thing and they, they do it a lot. It's this ticky tack shit in the back where they, yeah. they pass it around as opposed to moving it up. But as I said to friend of the pod, Justin, that I also get irritated when they just bomb the ball up the field. So I am, um, it is impossible to make me happy. Sorry, I was looking at a, I was looking at a list of '80s bands, seeing if there was some way to work in Ario Speedwagon. Hopefully, <laughs> we edit out the previous talk of '80s bands and just leave this in. Be good for the listeners. All right, I am I am done critiquing our players. I will say they didn't play great. Shouldn't have won. Probably deserved a one-one tie. Carnell really needs to do some self-reflection about doing goofy shit with lineups. But he is, as I also said to friend of the pod, Justin. Um, we were without, we're without two of our three possibly best, most important players. You know, we don't have uh, Klaus and we don't have Blom. That's hard to fill in for. The formation didn't work. I, you got to try something, though. I mean, we were flailing on. Let's go back to our finger pointing. It didn't work because Joachini couldn't fill Klaus's shoes. And I think that's a knock-on effect that really filters down to everyone behind him when the ball goes up to him and he doesn't hold on to it then you got to change your game plan we didn't really change our game plan for the whole time he was in the in the game i think you got to make either a substitution or you got to change on the fly and whether that means going to that weird you know five ten false nine whatever it was that we saw in the open cup or or something you got to make a change nico is not Klaus, and, and and that is easy to say. But if you know that going in, then make a different game plan. Jackson was exciting. You know what happened with Jackson? He was like, oh, shit, Bundesliga teams are interested in me. I'm going to go play my freaking brain out tonight. And he did. He was everywhere. He, he looked great. He's always everywhere. The game that he came, uh, the Minnesota game, for some reason – he got kind of glossed over, but I do. I think every time he comes in, even watching him in City Two games, he's he's got a motor. That guy's running. You know what else? He's got heart. I also liked the way Watts played, but neither of them were the cure. I think we we've covered the subs. Then we've laid some blame at Carnell's feet. Are we giving him credit for some good substitutions? I think the change in strategy was was good. Yes. All right. I thought the subs, it amped up the energy. I think we kind of mentioned, not sure about taking out Perez because he was playing very well. He might have been gassed. Yeah. yeah. Out late celebrating his birthday yesterday. I think there's there's plenty of blame to go around, but hopefully it's a learning experience. The team can, can watch some tape, learn from it. I think what Chris said was very important, though, is that the team really didn't adjust and 
this goes back to a problem we've talked about before is that maybe they don't have like a plan B that this is a team with a plan A, although not to derail us again, but I'm going to derail us again. Were they playing their like high press? It didn't feel like there was much pressing going on. It was more of a mid sit. Like they're just kind of sitting around the midfield a fair amount. We'd spent most of the time with the ball in our own half. It was a very quiet riot. Overall, the foul calling was very inconsistent. Okay, so we're talking about the ref now. Before we get into any, like, there are some specific moments we need to talk about, but just, it was all over the place. The foul calling was super inconsistent. It it felt like something would be called a foul one time and not later. Obviously, my, um, my thought is that it was biased against st louis city but it that felt like it really screwed up our run of play i mean leuven got like fouled outside the box two times in a row no call and then there was just weird stuff where we were getting called on weak things that would almost immediately then not be called like the same type of foul would not be called against portland we're biased we own that especially in this moment oh yeah I think we've explicitly set out, actually, that this is a biased pod. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Stroud got run over in the box. I want to talk about those Leuven fouls. Those were terrible. Those were both awful. He had his leg swept twice. He He fought through it, which was impressive. And there was no indication that it was going to be called, but because Leuven, being Leuven, managed to maintain possession through both of those fouls. Yes, like that, w- it wasn't an advantage. Like he, there was no, no advantage being played. They right. were just not being called. I said that at the game that he was so good that it's almost like he didn't get called because his skill managed to let him keep playing. But it should have absolutely been been a foul. And they were outside the box. But you give Leuven a kick from that range, and who knows what happens? The Stroud one, I thought should have been a penalty. I, I watched the replay. I still think. You know, he just got run over from behind in the box, playing the ball. That was definitely a shoulder to the eight. So don't pretend that's shoulder to shoulder. He was nowhere near the ball, just straight up ran through Stroud. So that's one game-changing moment that the referee uh, failed to uh, identify and make the right call on. There were others. Well, let's work backwards from the penalty. The penalty, first goal of the night... Not a handball for me. Chris, you read the, you were digging deep to find the definition. You are a rules analyst. I will read it word for word, uh, the applicable section. Uh, Either you deliberately touch the ball with your hand or arm, uh, for example, moving the arm toward the ball, or the ball touches, your arm touches the ball in an unnatural position. You've made your body unnaturally bigger by moving your arm. Uh, The player is considered to have made their body unnaturally bigger when the position of their hand or arm is not a consequence of or justifiable by the player's body movement. I think it was extremely impressive that he managed to not touch the ball with his hand. Like, I think it's very difficult in that situation to not do it. But I think he didn't. I don't think he did either. And I watched the replay multiple times. The view is obscured. If it did brush the shirt or something like that, it didn't influence the direction of the ball. 
It didn't help him control the ball. The referee made the wrong call on this one, and the VAR booth decided that they didn't want the responsibility. But rewinding that play, we should never have even got there. There was a clear foul in the midfield in the lead-up to that play. Vasilev just got absolutely run over when he was in a position to defend the play. Off the ball. Off the ball, but he was taken out of the play when he could have been a factor. And I think it was Evander who did that, and he knew exactly what he was doing, too. The play was moving forward already, and he just gave him the push. Uh, It was a push. It wasn't shoulder to the shoulder. It was, you know, arm extended. Didn't like it. It It was a clear foul. It was in the direction the ref was looking. I don't know how you don't call that. Twice around, the ref failed on that goal. And just so we're clear, this was immediately following the random storm that blew through, soaking the field. Best moment of the night, Portland goalie kicking the ball up into the air and it getting blown backwards. Let's go to the next major game-altering. In the Portland box, they clearly play the ball with a hand, an outstretched hand in the box. Very unnatural. Unnatural position, yes. Movement of the arm towards the ball. And it was a deflection off of the leg of the opponent, redirecting it anyway. So it could not have been possibly offsides. Now, there was something I saw on Twitter. I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't know the rules. I haven't read them yet. Deflection versus intentional play. Deflection does not negate offsides. It's not a deflection. It entirely changed. Like, the ball was going left. He sticks his leg out and kicks it right. (laughs) That's actually an interesting piece of information. I didn't realize that about the deflection versus intentional. It makes sense. So the defender sticks his leg out blocks the ball being passed across to the left, but blocks it directly towards two of our players. Which everyone knows is our is like what we're always trying to do is to get the other team to somehow give us the ball. Well, but they managed to prevent that by sticking their arm out to block and it. And the linesman immediately raises his flag to indicate offsides, which doesn't seem like it's the protocol in modern soccer. Right. You let it play. Especially if there's a scoring opportunity, you keep the flag down until the play has ended. And then that seems to be the way most times it is supposed to go. It just seems like in both of these cases, go watch the tape. Like there was no need to stop that play like they did. It was a clear handball. They could have reviewed that and seen that. They should have reviewed and seen that Nelson did not touch the ball. Are we alienating our younger viewers by using the word tape? Do they still think, do we think they still say, oh, we're going to the tape? Can you ask uh, Preston? Yeah, Preston, please give us a call. Let us know if you know what going to the tape means. You know the number. Uncle Phil. So that's not one, not two, but three game-altering moments that the referee uh, messes up. Well, maybe four. I mean, three three opportunities one of which had two, two calls to get one right yeah right so. and then the constant just being wrong about fouls i also didn't think five minutes they were wasting so much time five minutes not enough for me yes it makes me sad that the like the world cup it was really a thing that hey we're gonna play the the time and yeah. that has not transferred to 
to really any domestic league, to be honest. And I watch basically all of them because I have no life or I'm avoiding responsibilities. Bad day for Ryo, I believe, right? Oof, Chris, not a good day for our beloved Ryo Viacano. Ouch. I haven't seen that score yet. Don't tell me. Let me cut in here. I, I, I think if I can trust what the, the talking heads on the broadcast said, uh, this referee is actually one of the ones who was part of the World Cup refereeing course. So he should be as sharp as you can get in the MLS. You'd hope so. Chris, what was the yellow card given to the Portland bench? Was that covered on the, the TV? The reason wasn't uh, specified, but my theory was that it was for tossing that ball intentionally onto the pitch. I think it was well after that, though. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Well, he might have just not gotten around to getting back over there. A bit of good news. Um, Stroud and Parker were both on four yellows. At five yellows, they lose a mat, they lose a lose a game. Uh, neither one of them got a yellow card, which was impressive. Small victory. I almost wish one of them would have, because I think they need to coordinate. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, we're going to lose them both in a game we need them. At least we didn't lose them both in a game where we could also be down Klaus. Hopes for Klaus being back. That's more of a midweek pod discussion. Yeah, we'll worry about that later. I think it's going to be a few more days. Maybe another week. So what are our takeaways from this game, gentlemen? Oh, wait, I have one last thing to complain about. I'm pretty sure towards the end of the first half, Frank Boley made a lewd gesture towards our fans in section 102, 103. Yeah. Some kind of flipping the bird, biting the thumb, something. He got a talking to by the ref, I think. He didn't get talked to, but you watch. He goes to take the throw in. He turns around to our fans, does something. You can't quite tell. I couldn't quite tell in person. I can't quite tell on the TV. And then he he ends up dropping the ball. The whistle blows. Something happens. Berkey comes over and talks to the ref about it, too. And then the next Portland player who goes to take the throw in is laughing. And you watch the section that he did it to and they are flabbergasted excited i think this draws back to something chris once asked for is uh one-on-one antagonism of the players by the fans so care to comment i like it there you have it i like berkey i I like berkey um i thought i agree He was standing up for the team. He was arguing with the refs. He was out there at the end of the game, continuously arguing with the refs. I thought his cheekiness when he was putting down the ball for the kick was pretty good, pretty funny. That was good. I'd say he's even better than Hall and Oates. I think sometimes Berkey goes a little too far in getting angry every time the ball comes near him. Like he's a man-eater? He's getting the team fired up. Thinking about getting a... uh... A Berkey jersey, anyone? No. But I do appreciate that they're out there. I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I heard they're tight across the chest. I read that same post. So heads up. Long arms tight across the chest. This has helped. I feel better. I don't. We got to do something, though, going forward. We got to do something different. Yeah, we're one, three and one in our last five games. That's not great. It's bad even. We're in a bad play. Chris, I'm not going to ask you now, but I look forward in the midweek pod to talking about what you think we need to do going forward to turn our fortunes around. Well, I don't think 
Nico Giochini's going to like what I have to say. <laughs> well, I think I will. All right, listeners, you can look forward to that in the midweek pod. Corrections and omissions, just slipping it in here. Sure. Two pods ago, I said that I saw Berkey play against West Texas in MLS Next Pro. It was North Texas. Sorry to both North and West Texas, whichever one is offended by my mistake. While we're on uh, corrections, I would just like to say um, everything I've ever said. Um, yeah, I think um kind of yeah. sums up the night. No, I just don't. I don't have it. I don't have the energy to shut this down. Good talking to you guys. I'm I'm angry, and this definitely shows that like the level of emotion that I have put into this team is way too much. I mean, the next time we talk. I ostensibly will have their logo permanently affixed to my body. Ooh, how are you feeling about that right now? And I'm rethinking that after tonight. The good news, the good news is that most of the teams in the Western Conference who have played this week so far have drawn or lost against Eastern Conference opponents. So the table's going to look pretty much the same. I think we're going to be a point below Portland now. Because they drew, but they only drew Seattle. Sorry, I mean yes. we're still sorry. We're still sitting okay. That's fine, but we need to change the momentum. Yeah, you know we we started off strong and then we've just fallen off. If we can't turn that around, you know, five those first five games are not going to carry us through the whole season. We'll turn it around. We'll turn it around. We feel bad tonight because we feel robbed. Now Portland uh, also. Sad moment during the game when David Ayala seemed to injure his knee. That's another tough injury probably for for Portland to deal with. We do not face Portland again this season. Is that correct? That is correct. Our first rematch. And they're on, I mean, they're, again, a better team than their record probably reflects. Does that mean we're a worse team than our record reflects? Do we need to come to terms with that? Yes. Yes, but that's okay. Exactly. Yes, but that's okay. Maybe not as our record is now. Maybe this is who we are. We've hit. I, I can only hope we've hit. We've hit equilibrium. Equilibrium. Yes. Okay. Maybe we can go a little librium up next week. We librium up. We're on the road in Dallas. That's gonna be interesting. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Can we deal with that Dallas altitude? Tune in midweek to find out. A topic for the midweek pod. Let's shut this down. Gentlemen, thanks for getting on the pod. May we meet again in happier times. I think we will sometime midweek. Yep. And hopefully we don't have too many more heartbreakers. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Good night, gentlemen. Good night. Good night. The man from the police that sang the national anthem did a really lovely job. The who? (laughs) (laughs) The other police. It's the other police, not the who. Who, guys. I think it was Sister Christian Paredes. (laughs) I need to go to sleep so I can get some good REM cycles in.